Last week we were, I think last week we were talking about you getting ready for that mid-season draft with Jeff. That's mine and Jeff's team. Wasn't that what we were talking about last week? Yeah, it was like an hour afterward. We talked about it on the XM show, the results, but it hadn't, ha- hadn't happened yet uh, before. Not only had that draft not happened, we somehow went an entire podcast last week without mentioning the word Bitcoin, which you didn't realize until uh, afterward. And it was like kind of a crazy week too. So, so yes, both those things occurred last, last week. Yeah, there will definitely be some mention of Bitcoin. But that draft, we're like, oh, it's too bad. It's not the day after the draft. It's the day before the draft. But that draft that we did was so poor that I don't even care about that. Like I'm already, I've already written that team off. Now I do, I will have to make moves one or two weeks. So uh, I will take it seriously, but Jeff's mostly in charge of that. He, I feel bad for the guy cause I crapped on the team and he, I could see he tried to get some players that I like. He got Stanton. He got Ahmed Rosario. We're going to talk about that mm-hmm. in a minute. A few guys that I like, but I just felt like it was kind of a crap team. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. I've been proven wrong about most things this year so far except Ahmed Rosario, who I picked up over Brandon Crawford. And you know what? It would have been fine if you just thought Crawford was a better pickup or you just said nothing, but you went out of your way. You went out of your way to call me out for this pickup. It was something that was the only note you took for an entire podcast was to destroy me for making the mistake of picking up Ahmed Rosario outfield and shortstop eligible over 34 year old Brandon Crawford. And now Rosario hit a home run this week. He stole a base. Are you going to recant? Are you going to say, you know what? Maybe that was a bit hasty calling me out for something that I actually did correctly. A couple things here. Um, so Trevor Bauer did not even fall to me at this pick number five, which you were whoa, trying whoa, to get whoa, out. Uh, Changing the subject before we can get to that. No, I'll can, get to that. Yeah. We'll, we'll, oh, okay. Well, what I was going to say is you realize that I'm in two uh, leagues with you and they're both inside the top 15 overall. One, I know the top five I overall. Know. And yet you're going to harp on this Rosario issue. That, that's, well, I mean, it, he turned into the, out, the outfield eligible as well. You forgot to mention that. Um, so, so I, I may have been wrong on that. Oh, you did say, okay. I may have been wrong on calling you out on that. Uh, Crawford, uh, I think he's been doing just fine. He sat against a couple tough lefties recently, but he's been okay. But yeah, Rosario's looking good, much younger. If you keep stealing bags, obviously more helpful. So uh, I apologize for going out of my way you. for calling Thank you, you uh, on that path. I, That's I'm all. Sorry. I'm not trying to discredit your success early on. You know, it's just, I deal with this with Heather, Jeff Erickson. Now get it from you. When I'm perfectly right. And somebody corrects me. I'll say something correct. And then I'll get corrected. This happens to me all the time in my life. You know, it's like, you're correcting me when I'm not even wrong. This is something no, I, hear you. I just, I, I make a comment that I just play defense. I wake up in the morning. And I'm just playing defense, either my kids or my wife or some other relative has a problem calling me on the phone or work. It's just, I'm just all day just on the defensive mode, just trying to fend things off. So you don't need it. Here I am giving you the same thing. You know, you're just doing your own thing, living life. And here I am calling you out unnecessarily. So I hear no, you and I apologize. I, I know. To contribute. Oh, thank you. But I wasn't even saying it was unnecessary. Had I, had it been a stupid pick, I think you were totally entitled to call me out on our uh, fantasy sports podcast. I'm just saying it wasn't a stupid pick. That's what, that's right. my beef. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind yeah. that you call me out. I just mind that you call me out unjustly. It's the it injustice was, of it, right. not, not the calling out of it basically. And it was part personal. I drafted Ahmed Rosario in the top 10 rounds in, in multiple leagues last year. So that guy very much frustrated me, but yeah, I'm glad he's doing well for you lists. Um, um, yeah, but Bauer did not fall to number five in this draft. It did go crazy yeah, pitch. Heavy. That's right. That's right. I, I contributed going five straight pitchers, six of seven. Um, but yeah, this can be the more the new normal, man. It was like 16 of the first 28 picks were starting pitchers. So, uh, yeah. What do you think of that? I mean, I, I, I obviously I agree, but I don't love it. I'd rather, I'd rather it stay right. at what, uh, you know, I'd uh, like the way it was. It's definitely better for you if people aren't doing what you're doing. And a lot of people are starting to do it, uh, which is going to make it harder. You have to get it right instead of just 
getting it unless and just not the league just going that way but you actually have to get it right well i thought you did a good job i don't like beaver that much i think he's good i don't think he's a first round pitcher although after bauer it's kind of open season now you passed up on tatis now tatis is hurt again so maybe you don't feel bad about that but do you know that tatis is the number one fantasy player i wrote uh, this up last night number one fantasy player and he spent two il yeah. trips oh no, no, i mean overall i don't mean i mean he's the number one ranked guy in your yahoo league you can look at and he, he's yeah. crazy he's spent two il trips so yeah i mean he's stealing bags leads the league in homers so yeah it was quite a yeah passing on tatis wasn't easy but i'm pretty stubborn in this starting pitcher chad and I probably would have drafted him and then gone six straight pitches or something, but I hear you. It's working for you. And so you weren't going to deviate from it, even if Bauer wasn't there, but I did say Bauer was definitely going to be there because I didn't think someone would let Tatis slip. I mean, I saw it be Acuna, Tatis, DeGrom and Cole. And then, okay, there's Bauer pick five, but he wasn't there. And then, you know, somebody got Tatis at six, which is a, a pretty nice price for him. But it, it was fun because this was the first draft of its kind. So there was zero ADP and, you know, like my guy Gossman went round two. Um, there was just some you know, real difference between uh, what had been done through two months versus, you know, how you valued these guys before the draft. And I was fine drafting a bunch of bums. Like Lindor has been so bad. I just could not uh, pass up on him in round six. Um, and a couple other guys have just been slumping. So that was kind of my strategy with going after the guys, who, the hitters who were off to, to slow, slower starts. Yeah. I thought there's some errors like Trout running went in round 10 in a 15. I could see it because that month or month and a half is going to be really costly, but in the 12, he should have gone around seven. I mean, who, who cares? You get two and a half months of that, a top five player. So I thought that was a little crazy. I thought a couple other guys that were hurt or off to slow starts really slipped way too far. And Lindor was one. I thought you got a good deal on, and I would have gotten a lot of those guys because I don't really think, I mean, obviously Trout's hurt. So, you know, we don't even know if he's going to be himself or aggravated or whatever, but Glaber Torres went in like round 12 or 13. I mean, who cares what he's done? I mean, I I just felt like it it doesn't really matter because you're like, well, people like, Oh, his exit velocity is like Billy Hamilton and whatever. Well, yeah, that's, that's what that stat line looks like, right? You don't have a 640 OPS when you're batting 270 uh, unless you're hitting weak, unless the ball's coming off your bat weekly. Um, there's no doubt that it doesn't add extra that stat. The stats don't add. Oh, look at the exit velocity. It's, it's really weak. So I'm not going to take him. Well, yeah, he's got a 600 something OPS despite not having a bad batting average. That's, that's what that is. You're double counting, right? So the question is what's wrong with him? Well, did he hit 38 home runs as a fluke, uh, two years ago and 24 as a rookie in 120 games? I doubt it. You know, I think more realistically, something's off mechanically. He's doing something. He's got a hitch, uh, and he'll probably fix it. So at the price that, you know, he went, he went like the 11th round or something like that. I thought it was way too cheap. Yeah. End of the 10th with 10 to 11 turn. Um, I I hear you about the injured guys in a 12, but I was drafting Ozzy Albies and Altuve in eight and nine. So really, I mean, I I was pretty happy with the guys going there. Torres, the only counter I'd have with you is that all those ugly numbers, including stat cast or even the normal stats date back to last year. And that was just a two month sample. But um, uh, more of that's been coming out this week that it's uh, Torres. This dates back to, to 2020. So yeah. make it that what you will. Yeah, he was playing a little hurt last year, I think. And he, I don't think he played a full season last year. And then this year has been a slow start. I remember Jose Ramirez in 2019, like yeah. biggest home run year ever. He was like, had like three home runs and was hitting 190 in June. And then he just wanted an absolute tear for six weeks. Uh, with guys who've done it before and are successful, I almost always bet on that. Now, maybe Torres just, you know, this is it. He had a good year when he was 22 and 23 and, or 21 and 22. And that's the end of him. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. It's very yeah. rare that that would happen though. 
Oh yeah, no, great in round ten. No, I mean Rob Silver drafted an awesome team. It all fell really yeah. well to him. Even Sterling Marte is like yeah. immediately back too. So right. yeah, Yelich he got bargain. George Springer he got at that turn with uh, Torres after going pitcher heavy like myself. So yeah, Yelich in round five. So Rob Silver was definitely a, a dangerous team. Um, I think there's only like 140 ish type teams in this overall too. So that's interesting. But it was fun. I wish I had done a second one actually. But uh, it, it was a. I yeah, wanted one. I just can't. I just already uh, on Sunday night. I'm already like dreading it. Uh, my main event team has like 39 points, and I love the hitting. I'm like this. This hitting is good, and I even for a while the pitching was good. Like Mad Bum was dealing, and Matt Boyd was dealing, and Sean Manea was dealing, and now they've all kind of fallen apart. I, I was gonna say, yeah, Mad Bum in today. Uh, no, did he go? Did he get crushed? He got crushed. Yeah, his, oh, yeah, his, dude. Oh, yeah, man. his season ERA is five point seven three. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. I had him. Oh yeah, his season ERA is five point seven three. And guess when I had him on the bench. Right when he threw the no no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, it's when, more, yeah, you, it's a mistake. Oh man, five runs, eight hits, and two innings. What happened to him? He was dealing for like three, four games. What happened to him? I know. I don't oh, know, dude. I, know. I didn't even know. I, know. I didn't. Shit. Well, that team, because I honestly like that team. The hitting's going to surge. It's like got like no points, but like Soto just is back. He's starting to hit. Gresham's coming back tomorrow. They told me he's coming. I mean, on Friday they told me he's coming back this week. So I sat Brian Reynolds. I've got everyone's coming back. The hitting's going to surge, but I think the the pitching was always the issue with that team, and it, it like got off to a decent start. And now that that's collapsing with my hitting, I'll be lucky to get like seventh place. I'm going to try to dig out. I still have side bets with like Mike Masato and whatever, but um, just to stave off embarrassment, I got to actually keep mo- making moves in that team. But man, it's been brutal. It's been a, it's a, the main event is really bad. I was going to say the league that I'm doing the best in uh, that we're in together. I um, actually also had some fab. And uh, I went pretty, I went through, I was a runner up. I'm looking right now. So I bid three Oh five on Alec Manoa, who, I mean, I just believe he looks like just like an absolute monster. Yeah. There will not be a, a bit, but my pitching just loaded in that league, but I just felt like I, I just so believed in it, but someone bid three forty seven, and actually most other leagues I'm in, he would, I would have gotten him. Um, so I lost out on him, which is interesting. Uh, got Willie Adamas, who was um, now on the Brewers hitting second against lefties. But uh, man, it's it's crazy now. I'm just so into this being fourth overall in that. Is yeah, I'm kind of, of now just following that. Picking too early, dude. Picking thing. too early. I know. I know. I got, I got sure. to fourth two years ago in August, and I finished like twelfth. But at least it was late enough that like you know that it had fallen. Now your team's good. My team's really good in that league. I'm in second place in our league, I oh, think. Yeah. And that team has. I mean, Kershaw's just been all right, but I got, I got Scherzer. I got Lance Lynn. I got Trevor Rogers. I have Alex Wood. He got shelled the other day, but he's been really good. And I have Otani and Tatis. Yeah. It's a good team. I've made some stupid, I had Lux on my bench when he hit two home runs, but just cause my team is too loaded. I couldn't get everyone in there, but you got such a lead. I don't think, I don't know if I'm going to catch you, but that team, that team is the only good NFBC team I have. Is yeah, I, have, I looked at your draft. You did do a good job in this one. Um, so I have Blake Snell in this league, actually. Wow. But boy, that guy's going to be riding the pine now. With uh, That's ridiculous. I have Bieber, Giolito, Woodruff, Rodone, Freddie Peralta, and Musgrove to go along with. Oh, I even heard you talking about on XM. I have Chapman and Alex Reyes and Kinley Jansen. Oh, that. so that's, 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 what Reyes, no, no, that's what it is. That's what it is. That's why yeah. you're in fourth. Because Chapman's got like 11 Jack saves Reyes. and four wins and Reyes has three <laughs> wins. And so you've got seven extra wins that you don't deserve at all. But actually I'm way ahead of you in wins in that league. I'm way wow. ahead of you. If you didn't have those relievers getting you wins, you'd be in, you'd be like in big trouble. 
because well, you're like way down in wins for me. That's my bad luck. Bieber, Giolito, Woodruff, Freddie yeah, Peralta, Musgrove. But you had really seven Brewers get no run closer. support. Brewers, Brewers get yeah. no run support. But you've had seven wins from your closers. Yeah, I mean that's just insane. And so, so you're still back. But my problem in that league is one category, and it's uh, batting average. I'm last. And it's because your guy, Josh Bell, I had that guy in. I've had Kelnick in. I don't know why I left him in this week. I should have put someone else in. And he's batting like 100. Like, he's just killing me. Yeah. And I'm dead last in batting average. And, like, unless I get to, like, I got to hit, like, 300 the rest of the year or something because I can't – it's so bad that I can't – that's what's really keeping me. I'm in, like, 400th place overall. That's the difference. If I, if I were to have, like, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do that. That's a tough one to dig out of. So I had a question for you. I'm yeah. thinking about this related to Alec Manoa. Um, I agree with you when it comes to the DL spots, um, but why does uh, NFPC not allow you to speculate on uh, minor leaguers that I, they have to either be drafted? I kind of like that skill, like to be because you're, you're costing you a roster spot. I'm not saying add an NA, I don't know, but then I mean, I guess there's also a skill that everyone bids a lot more. But what if you had the foresight to stash Manoa for three weeks? You know, I don't know. I don't. Okay. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are, and we have this in tout, which is fine, but imagine if. And, but Tout's different because like all the best minor leaguers are already owned, right? Like I have Bobby Witt and we'll, I want to talk about him in a second. And I have Julio Rodriguez and everybody, Manoa, I, I think Jeff actually picked him up before he got mm-hmm. called up. But so there's like a couple of guys during the year that you got to keep an eye on in Tout and most people don't. And somebody gets a big windfall. Mostly you clog your roster with them like I do. But mm-hmm. <laughs> in the NFBC, since it's a mixed league, like all the minor leaguers, will be there, right? Every single guy. So now not only do you have to do all that Sunday night fab work, which is a decent amount of work, especially if you have multiple teams, but now you've got to be on top of all the minor leagues, like all the time. And I just think that's like a lot of extra work. It just makes it so that it's enough work as it is. Now you're adding like a whole bunch of extra work. So I hear you. I think there's pluses and minuses to both. And I only say that probably as someone who has a uh, little money to spend. So I'm trying to get creative. So it probably right. would benefit me, you know, looking in the future with it in there, but I can yeah. see it both ways, yeah. but I definitely thought of that this week because I'm like, Oh, who's the next Alec Manoa? And I was looking ahead and I was, and then I'm like, Oh, I really can't do that in any of NFBC leagues unless they happen to be drafted, which was unlikely in these guys. Well, so the next is not Alec Manoa. I don't know who the pitcher is, but I know that right. I feel yeah. like Bobby Witt is the guy to pick up now. And all these guys are like, uh, he's never getting called up. That's stupid. It doesn't really matter. I'm not saying he's going to get called up right now. I'm saying he could, if, if Montessi were to go on the DL, but even if, even if they're not going to come up till July or whatever, this is a guy that he's got seven steals and he's got six steals and seven home runs in a month. Like this guy can go 2020 in the major leagues. Now he might bat 220, but he, he's got power speed to burn and he, he's aggressive on the base paths. That's the guy you stash now, just in case he gets called up in July or late June or mid June or whatever. You don't wait until they're announcing that he's calling him, that they're calling him up and then bid 500 bucks. I mean, you can do that, but it's better to bid 25 and get him now is my point. And always right. the best pickups in football or baseball is always two weeks ahead of when it happens and you get it for, you get it on the cheap. Now you're going to get a lot of guys that don't end up getting called up or don't pan out that way. But that's the way to play it is to get the, get the payoff for nothing. And to do that, you have to get guys that are more uncertain. And this is the time when he just hit three home runs, his OPS is up to 800. If he has another huge week, he'll have a 950 OPS by the end of the week. And then, you know, then it's going to be like, okay, he's ready. And then you're going to wish you had him on your roster already. And for what it's worth, Kansas city has played as a better hitters park this year than in years before. And I've done just a little looking into this stuff. I mean, like, is that just a small sample or is there a reason like angel stadium? And one thing I've found is the, uh, the, 
uh, installation of video boards seemed to have made a difference. And that is one stadium that has done that. So maybe there's something to that. So that park is more probably for hitters and there appears to be a tangible difference. So that's something interesting to see. Wrigley Field appears to be another one that's uh, happening too, although the wind is really, really, temp- really temperamental there. But um, I don't know. It's just something I've kind of anecdotally noticed. Oh, you think Wrigley Field is, is better for hitting now this year? It has been, especially for lefties. Yeah. And, and they did all these renovations with a ton of uh, video boards in right field. So I don't know. Maybe there's, there's appears to be something. Same with Angel Stadium. They didn't just lower that fence. They added this gigantic video board in left field. So that's why it's also helped um, the right-handed batters, too, is, uh, since they've made all those renovations. It's something, really annoying. Like, all of your priors on what these stadiums are like have changed so much. Like, the Giants are just, like, the weirdest thing. Like, it's the worst park in baseball. All of a sudden, like, it's not that bad. And the Royals, like nobody well, they ever... physically moved. I mean, they physically moved their, their bullpen too. I mean, they physically right. moved their bullpen from the, from foul pole to the right field used to be. So, I mean, they actually changed the dimensions. No one had ever hit 40 home runs for the Royals until Jorge Soler hit 48, two years ago. You know that hmm. ever. Wow. Yeah. Well, nobody crazy. hit 40 home runs. Yeah. It's just insane. Wow. Like in the whole history of the team. And then they got a guy who had 48 in that home run year. And now hmm. you're saying it's a, a more of a home run park. It's just everything's kind of like shifting quickly. You know, the pitchers are more durable. All these hitters are getting hurt. The parks are all not what they were. It was a good, it was a good year to do an extreme strategy, right? When things are in flux, you want to do something extreme because if you catch the wave on it, you can ride it. So, well, we're two months in, but so far you got one in fourth place and one in what? 14th. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been fun. Like it's been, I've been super into it, watching the game mix every night. And when yeah. when there's games on all day, it sucks all these rainouts. But um, yeah. a lot of injuries are hitting. Like I've just lucked out. Like avoided the Luis Castillo and even Jack Flaherty. Just happened to avoid him. Yeah. Kind of actively avoided Luis Castillo. Just kind of lucked out into Flaherty, and he just he suffered. Was, he was you know, too uh, expensive. Castillo. He was like, but that's right. Was Castillo was. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But Flaherty was right up my alley of guys yeah, I'd be I having. Agree. And he, he he suffered an oblique tear by swinging the bat. You know, I mean, yeah. that's just horrible luck, man. Yeah, it's bad luck. By the way, we're we're so so if you can't, the listeners uh, we're on video for the first time, and uh, yeah, so you talked me into it. And the main reason I didn't want to is because just so you know, let's I, I roll my eyes at nearly everything you've said. So nearly every other thing you say, typical on a typical podcast. So I apologize if I um, if I'm doing the same here. I can't, I but yeah, uh, it's fine. It's so funny. We haven't, even, yeah. we haven't got to the crazy stuff yet. Actually, no, not even. Uh, and Sasha is so funny. Um, I was yelling at her because she wants the, she wanted Oscar. She wanted the dog, right? Like Heather and I would never have gotten a dog. She wants that. We love the dog. We're happy. She made us get him. And she like one summer, you know, the summer we we're in LA in 2019, we house sat for somebody. We, we got, you know, we sw- house swapped. And one of the rules was, you know, we got to take care of their dog. And she was a pretty nice dog. And Sasha was good with her. She walked her. And so she was like, proved her, you know, her worth with the dog. And then we bar- we uh, house sat like a friend left their dog with us a couple of times and she was good. And she's like, you see, once you have a dog, she proved us that she can handle it. And ever since we got Oscar, she's done zero, you know, and I wake up early and I'm tired. You know, I stay up late watching baseball one in the morning and seven in the morning, seven 30. I'm out, you know, on the street, walking the dog. So tired. I'm on the third floor. I walked down two flights of stairs and up. It was chilly out in the winter. You're like out and it's raining and chilly and I'm walking the dog. She never does anything. So uh, yesterday she, uh, she likes to play cards with me. We play a ton of, um, rummy 500 every day she wants to play. And it's like a thing. She just, she like is entitled to it now. It's like, Oh, well, Hey, Hey, cards, cards, you know, data cards. And I'm like, okay, okay. 
So last night, um, I was like, you take Oscar now. Like, I'm cooking. Your mom has work. You take Oscar now. And she's like, no, I want to play solitaire. I told her to play that. I, I'm like, you don't need to do that. Please take the dog. It's your dog. And so then she was like at the table and I could just say, I was like, Sasha, you know, you can't just ask cards, food. And she was like, oh, I don't want to eat what you're making. I want to eat something else. Make me something else. I'm like, you can't just ask, ask, ask and never do anything. And she just looks at me, rolls her eyes straight up in her head. This made me think of it, rolls her eyes just blatantly. And I was going to lay into her, but I started laughing. It was just like, she's just laughing. Then she starts laughing. I'm laughing. I'm like, but seriously. And she did take Oscar down. I was like, if you want to play cards, you better take him down. So I, I I hear you. I, we don't get much help with the puppy here either, as, as we were promised to. So yeah, like the yard, you just let him out. Like it's totally yeah. different in the city where you got to like yeah. take him down the stairs. And he's a dachshund; he can't walk down the stairs. I gotta carry him down the stairs. Right? Yeah, he's light, but yeah. it's like you know, it's a pain in the ass. It's like a whole yeah. thing. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, that's funny. Um, um, what else going on? So uh, I don't know. We'll talk a minute of football and then we'll get into the crazy because there's a lot of crazy going on. Okay, a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, so, I. I I, I have something to bring up. Uh, this is yeah. horrible news for certain, for, for, I don't know. You, 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 the listener can decide for certainly, uh, it's something, but I t- disagree so much on your NFL observation piece. It's, Which one? Uh, it's a problem. Uh, Which oh, one? you did multiple, you did multiple NFL observations. No, no, no. I, I did one, but I, I don't know which yeah, one no. which thing did you well, disagree with? Well, I'll just tell you right now. I, I, I have AJ Brown is my number one fantasy oh, guy's number right one. now. Yeah. I have I'm too Cooper much of a coward. Cup. I'm hedging too much. I have Cooper cup as my wide receiver 13. I have uh, Jonathan Taylor is my number two player on the board. And I bet on the Broncos at 50 to one win Super Bowl. So I'm in on all of your four observations oh, no. here is what I'm but, saying. Yeah. It's the problem. So that's hilarious. So I, it's funny that uh, but the fact that you've have, you're even more extreme than me on these. I posted a thread. that's like a great thread. Nobody I did get any likes, but I don't care. Cause it's like such a, it's such a good thread. This guy, John Street Capital at John Street oh, yeah. Capital, posted yeah. this thread. And no, 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 a lot of people I follow on Twitter loved that thread too. Okay. You sent me a couple of times. I appreciate it. Thank you. But yes, I, it, that was a very well, definitely check it out. Yeah. So this guy's talking about what Warren Buffett, Carl Icahn, George Soros have in common. They only have one thing in common. He said it's the exact opposite of what they teach in business school. It's to make large, concentrated bets where they have a lot of conviction. They're not buying 35 or 40 names and diversifying. And he said that in 1992, when I went in to tell Soros that I was going to short 100% of the fund in the British pound against the Deutsche Mark, he looked at me with great disdain. He thought the story was good enough that I should be doing 200% because it was a sort of once-in-a-generation opportunity. And that's what you're saying. You're saying you don't agree how aggressive I am on these players because I'm not even aggressive enough. No, I'm saying that I'm in trouble because I agree with you very much on these observations oh, okay. is what I'm saying. I, I'm but you're even more. Great, like great. I, I have yeah. Taylor at three, yeah. you have him at two. I have yeah. Cup at... No, that's a better know. way of putting it. Yes, you're right. Yeah, no, you put it even a better analogy. Yes, nice analogy. And yes, you should go even more in on these, on these observations because, yeah, I'm, I'm fully in. I, I just don't understand why Cup is less is ranked behind Robert Woods. I, Cup is better than Robert Woods. Two years younger. Two, two years, years younger, younger. And he's the red zone guy because he's 6'2", 208. So they get like the same amount of targets, but cup is more better on a per play basis and gets more touchdowns and he's younger. Why would you rank Robert Woods ahead of cup? Yeah. He gets some rushing attempts. He gets, does get a lot of targets, but no, I'm with, I, I'm with you. Uh, yeah. The, he gets more important ones in the red zone. I mean, now with Stafford, I like both though. I'm see you're like down on woods. I've still, I was kind of down on last year. I'm still okay with him as a, as a top 20 wide receiver too, but yeah, cup cup. I'll get for sure. The fact he's also cheaper ADP by like a few yeah. rounds in some leagues. It's a beyond a no brainer, but I have them even straight up 
ranked higher. Agreed. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't know. It's not even that close. I moved Woods up a little bit because he is going to get, there's not really a lot of depth there. And, you know, he will get a lot of targets and Stafford's Matthew good. Stafford is so much better than golf. He's yeah, way better, much better. And McVay is a good offensive mind. I mean, it's going, yeah. it's, somebody's going to blow up there, right? It's going to be, somebody's oh, yeah. going to have a huge year, whether it's cam Akers or probably a few guys. will. so, and then the AJ Brown, one, I remember last week, I'm like, I don't want to see Julio Jones traded and he's definitely going to be. And you're like, why, what do you care? Well, that's one. I have AJ Brown as my number yeah. one fantasy wide out. I'd have to definitely lower him if he were traded there. So, and I got AJ Brown in a couple of best balls. So there's one reasoning why I wouldn't like to see the, the trade happen. And they, Ooh, you know what though, as a Niners fan, I may prefer that than him joining the Seahawks though. Cause they're actually the favorites right now. God, what NFC West and the NL West, the Western divisions and pro sports is ridiculously loaded right now. But Julio and the Seahawks, Metcalf, Julio, and Lockett. I mean, is he really <laughs> throw that much though? They don't even throw that much. I don't know what I don't know what they're thinking. Like I don't know how it's going to work. I think you know Tennessee really needs him. But I read a good note about Brown. You know, they're they're like, well, defenses are going to key on him, and we're going to we're going to put him in motion. You know, before the snap, and that's when you get 150, 160 targets, right? If you just leave a guy out there and they double him the quarterback usually sure. ends up throwing somewhere else. But if you move them around and stuff, like that's what they do with Devonte Adams. That's what they do with a lot of these like receivers that are like the only game in town on their teams. And it gets them open and gets them a lot more targets. So yeah, it was, that was like a good, a good note reading that. Yeah, I know. I mean, if, if Aaron Rodgers goes back to green Bay, then fine Adams. But otherwise, I mean, you're buying absolutely high on Stephon Diggs or Justin Jefferson to kill a bit of an injury concern. I mean, I think AJ Brown, you know, go where the puck's going, not where it's been or whatever. I mean, he looking at the targets and his setup there to me, it's not even, shouldn't be that like controversial if Julio, you know, stays away. Yeah. I moved Diggs down to six. I think he's good, but 127 catches, six most all time. Buffalo does throw a ton and Diggs is really good, but um, I actually have Hopkins at two right now. I know it's not a go where the puck is going no. pick, but no, it's not. <laughs> Hopkins came in with no off season you know, no off season to speak of with COVID, no real training camp, new quarterback, new team, new system, and got 115 catches. I mean, it's just like he just walks onto the field and catches everything thrown his way. And he's like 29 or whatever, 28, 29, but 29. Yeah. yeah I just don't think he's, I think he's going to have another 110 catch season again. It's just so safe. Just gets his 110 catches and his nine, 10 touchdowns. And it's kind of money in the bank. First of all, um, Stephon Diggs is, is legit, but that actually last year was the first, first time in his career that he played 16 games and in the playoffs, he had this horrible torn oblique. So right. something to think about there, but uh, I, I just kind of against the, the, like, it's probably why I have Michael Thomas ranked a little lower too, but Hopkins on 160 targets scored just six touchdowns last year. So I like the guys with more of the, the, the TD upside, like AJ Brown, you know, could get 15 plus or something, but, um, I guess Kelly Murray could have just had that shoulder injury the whole second half, but I just worry about the second half. He had like 6.6 YPA and, and Hopkins is, is approaching 30 and all these other younger wideouts wide are so much younger, but whatever, that's splitting hairs. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, a hall of fame wideouts usually don't fall off the cliff at 29, maybe like a, an Adam Thielen type. You're like, Hey, he's 30, 31. You know, he's a good receiver, but like Hopkins is like good. hall of fame trajectory. And I think he's good. still got it. And just, the fact that he was able to like walk on the field and get 115 catches and he's such a target hog, you know, his reputation, um, even if he, even if he were to have a bad year, he'd get like 94 catches for 1200 yards and seven touchdowns. I think the six is kind of a fluke. They're going to, I like the red zone. 
I, I like that Brian Dayball just throws it so much. They don't have a tight end. They lost John Brown. I mean, I'd do a Diggs versus Hopkins bet if you wanted to do that. I'm, I'm all ears here if you want that. I mean, when I change these receivers by five yards, they're that close. Okay. Six, yeah. sure. So okay. I don't, I mean, I, I could do it, but it's that's okay. fair. It's, that's fair. That's fair. It's betting on a coin flip for me. Setup's nice, though, man. They throw the ball so much, and Buffalo may take it, may regress yeah. a little, but yeah, Buffalo just play that play action and just all that passing on first down. I like it. Yeah. And then if, if Jones leaves Ridley, I mean, he's got, I have him at five, but I mean, yeah. He Argument for right there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, just, and then Metcalf is just such a beast. I mean, the thing about Metcalf is if he scored 20, people would be like, yeah, I should have seen that coming. You know, I feel like if he scored 20, I didn't have him in any league. Cause I drafted AJ Brown or whoever. I'd be like, oh, I should have got some Metcalf. It's just, if he scored 20 in year three, you know, it would just be like, yeah, of course he scored 20. Cause he's like the biggest, strongest, fastest, guy in the game and he works and, hard and he's a serious guy. No, no. And also he's the bet. One of the best situations to score touchdowns because he has led the NFL in end zone targets since entering the league. And Russell Wilson's perennially among the league leaders in end zone targets. They right. don't talk about that a lot, but yeah. it really helps fantasy. It matters. And, and Russell Wilson, they throw the ball into the end zone more than any quarterback. So yes, he easily could year three. What, is that year three? Um, yeah, year three. Easily go off for 20 types of touchdowns. Yeah. If I could see it. If somebody can so, do 20, it's AJ no. Brown or Metcalf just because the other, they, they're just better. They're just physically more. Yeah. What if Derrick Henry got hurt? Jeez. So I was listening to Kessinick talk on your, on XM and I get, maybe I can see Aaron Rodgers. It sounds like the GM there. The, if you, if you read behind the scenes, it sounds like they're maneuvering it. Maybe they're going to be stubborn and not trade him. So that would be, you know, it'd be more exciting move for the NFL if he did move. But um, I, I don't know. What do you think now? You think Rodgers is probably staying? Well, I looked at the, uh, the latest odds and it's minus 125 for him to stay on DraftKings, So I feel like minus minus one twenty five. like if you really think he's going to stay, that's, it's not bad not to bet that. Right. I mean, right. so I, I think there's, you know, a legit almost 50% chance he leaves unless the, you know, unless you want to just steal from the book, which is hard to do right. usually. Right. So, good point. you know, and we don't know. I mean, all this stuff is just, you know, Tom knows the Packers pretty well, but it's like, it's just like, you know, amateur psychology. Nobody really knows what they're sure. really thinking or what Rogers is really thinking. Yeah, and Elway made a move for Peyton Manning late in his career. It's it's characteristic of him. He's got everything but the QB. It makes perfect sense. I thought Tom made a good point that if, if the Broncos trade for Rodgers and give him a couple firsts, that pick is going to be a late first, almost certainly, and that's not as valuable. And so what else do they have? Yeah, but man, Tim Tim Patrick and Drew Locke, though, I mean, or even, I mean, you could even give him Hamler. I mean, you could you give him pretty, I don't you know, they have, they have capital. Hamler, you give him Patrick Hamler and two firsts. Yeah. You know, and then they get Rodgers. Drew Locke, Drew Locke. And throw in Drew Locke, you know, just to see. But, you know, they probably, Jordan Love, Drew Locke is whatever. But, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, they're pretty in on Love. You're right. I mean, they could, they could you know, have two guys. I mean, Locke, I think is no good, but you never really know. They, I mean, they have, you know, Hambler apparently bulked up, isn't as skinny as he was super fast. Second round pick Patrick is old. He's like 27, but really good on a per play basis. Last year looks like a, he's big and fast. And then a couple of firsts, but yeah, they will be late firsts, but you do two yeah. firsts and throw in a second and a third. I mean, who cares? Just throw in a bunch of stuff. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not like late first round picks aren't valuable. It's not like a, a couple of seconds thrown in when sweeten the pot. I do think, that would be the place. I mean, it just makes the most sense by far. And then the last one I'm with you on, on Jonathan Taylor. And it's, it's, I get that Marlon Mack is back and the different quarterback, but 
I, I feel like he has less question marks of anyone, including yeah. even McCaffrey. I mean, I still have McCaffrey ranked higher because of the upside, especially PPR. Right. But Dalvin Cook is good for two to three missed games minimum. And Henry's back to back. How many carries do you say he has? Basically 784 in two I years. Guess, I guess that question, I guess 800 yeah. In, yeah. in my head. Cause I knew Almost. you were going to go super high. Almost. So yeah, it's, it's crazy high. Yeah. So, um, I feel like these guys, you know, obviously, um, Elliot has question marks and Camara and Barkley. I mean, are you kidding me? So, I mean, yeah, so I'm with you on that. And Taylor's the young guy without the tread of the tires who looked like an absolute star in the second half last year. And they have a great offensive line. So yeah. yeah. I mean, the only guy you can really say is like Trey Sermon probably has fewer questions than Taylor. Don't you think? That's fair. That's fair. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be a tough call for you when he gets pushed up boards. Yeah, yeah, no, pro- yeah Trey Lance is going to be stealing all the touchdowns there, yeah. though. So the problem. Well, with yeah, I, I agree. Taylor has the highest floor, right? I just like he's doesn't really have an injury issue. He's young. He's in his prime. He's behind a great offensive line. Does catch passes. He's been working on catching passes. You know, so Marlon Max on a serious threat coming back off at a torn Achilles. People must realize yeah, not just and, any injury, and, a torn Achilles and Hines will get some work. He'll get in there on downs, but it's not like Kareem hunt, like Nick Chubb's the other guy that has a really high floor. I don't really, he's great offensive line play action type system. Perfect back for it. And he's really good, but Kareem hunt just gets too much stuff. He just he, Kareem hunt gets goal line. He's in there some early downs. He gets like a lot of third down. It's just, the floor is really high in Chubb, but what Taylor also has the ceiling. Yeah. As you said, McCaffrey's been hurt and it's a new coaching regime. Are they really going to give him 287 carries again? I don't think so. I think it's 200. I, I agree that he should be one because of the pass catching, but Dalvin cook, by the way, he played 14 games last year, Dalvin Cook. How many carries did Dalvin Cook get last year? A lot, right? Yeah. Um, Take a guess. In 14 three, games. Uh, 300. No, not that many. 312. 312. Oh, wow. Boy, in 14 lot, games. Yeah. Injury prone yeah. Dalvin Cook, yeah. who's missed like 21 games in his four-year career, got 314 uh, uh, carries heavy. In, four, yeah. in, in 14 games. Now, that, you know, that bodes well if he survives. He's going to be a monster and he's really and a good. bunch of catches too. I know that those don't hurt you as much, yeah. but he was, he was, yeah, he got like quite 55 a bit. targets, yeah. 40 something yeah. catches. Yeah. So if he stays healthy, obviously that bodes really well. Cause he's going to be a monster, but you know, it's your first pick and the second overall pick. It's very costly if he gets hurt and Kamara, you know, we'll see if he can, if the saints with a full training camp without breeze can, I, I think they'll, I think he's pretty safe, but Maybe he gets 68 catches instead of 78. Maybe those catches don't lead him quite as much for big plays. You know, it's not, I think there is some issue there. So, yeah. So I, I mean, quickly, the- yeah, we are on the same page. It's quickly though. A couple of the guys ask you about is I liked Antonio Gibson quite a bit, but man, news broke today that like he still hasn't recovered from turf toe injury and he didn't have surgery. So I really don't love that. And then a guy, I just can't help myself, but like, how are you not moving up Najee Harris? He's just going to get absolutely all the touches. He looks good. He's getting all these catches. Um, I, I mean, he's, to me, he's going to be like a back end first rounder come August. Do you think that's well, too aggressive? No, I got him 10th among running backs. And then the only receivers I would take ahead of him are probably Tyree kill, maybe Hopkins, but probably not. I'd probably wait till yeah. the second round to take that next yeah. uh, run of receivers. So he is back into the first round for me. I don't think I take Kelsey in the first either. So he is back into the first round. Okay. I have him behind Elliot, which, you know, remember Dak is back. And it's going to be a much better offense. So Elliot, no, I, I'm in, I'm in yeah. on Elliot. Actually, yeah. I'm, I'm in on him. I think he's, he's like, 25. I know he's old for 20, old 25, yeah. but he was really good before Dak went down last year. I I'm kind of in. Yeah. So, so I'm in on him. And then the other, the guy I may have too high right now and I could flop, but is JK Dobbins, but Dobbins catches passes 
and he runs alongside Lamar Jackson. You know, Mark Ingram was done last year. And yes, the year before he had 5.1 yards per carry playing next to Lamar Jackson is the ideal place to play in the NFL is playing next to that quarterback that the defensive end has no idea if he's going to keep it or pitch it. Dobbins will get five plus yards per carry easily. And he's going to catch, you know, 40 plus passes. And if he's good and he plays well, you know, he could be a top five back. So I, I have him at eight, but I, maybe that's aggressive. Yeah, I definitely have lowered him. He's been a guy I was, I uh, felt like I was originally too aggressive on. He's my 16th back. Um, I think Lamar Jackson steals touchdowns. And how many targets do you think JK Dobbins had in the second half of last year? I don't know. I'm going to say in half, I'll say he had 23 targets. He had six targets in the second half of last season. So saying he's going to catch a lot of passes is a bit aggressive. Uh, he, they just don't his, throw him the ball at all. I mean, they just don't throw him at it all. Well, and he shares with Gus Edwards and the best rushing quarterback. I mean, I, I like him. He looked like Ray Rice 2.0 out there. Yeah. Same number 27. He looks awesome. He got 6.0 yards per carry, probably led the NFL as a rookie. I mean, I like him, but it's just, you're, I think you're trying to force something that's just not there is my conclusion. Might be so. The, the problem with running, because the great thing about running quarterbacks, you know, Dobbins got six yards of carry last year, and it's because it's super easy to run next to, to Lamar Jackson. But the problem is those those running quarterbacks, even Mahomes is a bit like this, even though I'm going to be in on CEH again. Oh, but oh, me too. I just, I'm just like, I don't care. I don't care what happened. I'm just, the upside is so high that I don't, in round three, if he's there, I just it, and maybe end of round two, if I don't like the receiver I'm looking at. But, but the thing about it, the running quarterbacks is like Mahomes, like Jackson, like they just don't look to dump off. Jackson just right. takes off. Mahomes will scramble and go down the field for a big play or take off. But the last thing they need to do is check down and breeze rivers. Those kind of guys always check down as soon as it's, you know, not there check down. And so there is a risk with those QBs, but I do think, I don't know, maybe not, maybe it won't happen, but I, I just feel like you have someone like Dobbins that you took with, uh, he was a second round pick, but I think he was almost a first round pick. What did he get picked at? No, he was second yeah, round. I think 50, second 50, rounder. 55th overall. So he wasn't, uh, I was thinking of, of Swift. who was barely out of the first round last year, but yeah, maybe I have to lower him. A I, I like him too. Don't be wrong, but Gus Edwards is still there. And Mark Ingram wasn't a factor at all last year anyway, but um, I, I hope they do unleash him. I mean, he's, he's awesome. in that system, well, he, I mean, he's, he's good, but Hey, we can't agree on everything. So if I disagree yeah, on one of these, yeah. but your rest of your observations, I, I, I was laughing just reading them. I was just like, Oh boy, I'm in trouble this year because I'm uh, so like in on this. Yeah. So yeah. also Dobbins didn't even get double digit carries till week eight last year. Just keep that in mind. And then he had double digit carries every game except except two. One of them he had nine. And there's a there's a lot of touchdown upside. I mean, he's yeah. that offense is good and they run it down there. I mean, he's yeah. he's good too. But we'll so, see. all right. Maybe all right. Well, let's move enough sports talk. So what Bitcoin? Yeah. So what, what's going did, on? Yeah, we definitely uh, we did more than enough. Okay, so a couple of things. I wanted to talk the energy FUD, and I got into this debate with uh, one of our podcast listeners, Emmett Peppers, and he gave me permission to use his name on the podcast. So I don't know if you saw that debate. But we're going back and forth, and he's a he's a Tesla bull. He's a big fan of Elon Musk, mm-hmm. and so Elon basically, and we didn't talk about this last week, makes this tweet about how Tesla's not going to take not going to take Bitcoin, actual money, real money for Teslas anymore, just dollars, until Bitcoin gets its uh, you know energy consumption issues in in check, and that set off a lot of back and forth and a lot of dunking on each other, but that's just kind of noise to me. And you know, the, the price moved down and it's been a little up today. It's like 38 or something. Now Let me look over. I like to say, as we record this, it is 37, seven but it, it just, you know, spurred a lot of discussion about, about energy consumption. 
I think Emmett was saying, I don't want to misrepresent his point. He was just saying, look, I'm open-minded that maybe this energy consumption thing is a real problem because Elon Musk, who he respects a lot, thinks it's a problem or at least said it was a problem. And so, you know, because it's a complex subject, you know, he's going to at least be open-minded to the fact that this is an issue. And I said, listen, this issue has been brought up for years. And if it wasn't Elon Musk saying it, it would just be more FUD, the exact same FUD that's been debunked, refuted, whatever. And so I thought it kind of came down to like who was saying it rather than the argument itself. And he was, if I'm representing him correctly, was saying, look, maybe it is who was saying it, but, you know, because it's a complex topic that most of us are not, you know, I'm not like an engineer or a rocket scientist. I don't know exactly. You know, I read other people and, and evaluate the arguments that, you know, somebody who is, a, you know, more qualified to weigh in, uh, he would give that some weight. But I started thinking about it more. And I think, you know, just instead of saying, oh, you know, it's he's right or the Bitcoiners are right. I feel like it's really two different paradigms that are going on. I think this is the argument is one paradigm is the earth, you know, is obviously a finite place and infinite growth portends extinction. You just can't keep building and using more energy and expelling more greenhouse gas on a finite planet. It's going to, you know, we can't do that forever. And so we need to conserve and find renewable energy. And then Elon Musk will, you know, government subsidies and support of Tesla buyers and other consumers take us to another planet and, you know, figure out, you know, better ways to do it. Okay. That's fine. But that's very top down to me. You know, Elon Musk gets carbon credits from the government. He's one guy. Everyone reveres him. Not everyone, but all of, you know, the, the Tesla guys revere him. And maybe deservedly so. I don't really have a strong opinion on him. Some people think he's a fraud or a dick. I, I, don't, I really don't know. But he's obviously got a lot done. So these guys revere him, and it's like top down. It's like government and Elon Musk together working to solve the you know, catastrophic climate change issue. And the Bitcoin one is totally different, right? It's sort of like incentives built in to fix the money, which helps people save rather than get rid of their money because it's, gonna, it's getting devalued through printing. So you save your money for something really important because it's getting, you know, it's deflationary. It's getting more and more valuable. So that decreases consumption and also competes with the money, the dollar, the petrodollar. Everyone says, oh, well, Bitcoin, what's it backed by? The, the dollar's backed by the U.S. military. Well, let's talk about the carbon footprint of the U.S. military. Not only the human cost of wars and whatever, but just the carbon footprint is enormous. So when you talk about, you know, versus the dollar and the banking system, you know, then again, it, it's also incentivizing a much cleaner way. It uses energy to confirm the transactions, but that's a lot cleaner than using war to confirm the transactions and to make sure that they're secure. But, but even bigger than that, fix the money and you fix all of civilization, the incentives. But even bigger than that, literally just the mining itself, you know, the miners basically buy electricity. That's their main cost. And they get Bitcoin rewards when they, when they get their answer right and they certify a block. Well, they're incentivized to get cheaper and cheaper energy. And, as, you know, and so over time, Bitcoin has become more and more renewable because renewables are cheaper, because renewables are often stranded, and they can set up a Bitcoin mining operation near a hydroelectric dam in China that can't even transport the energy to the grid, or they can go to some flared gas place in uh, you know, uh, natural gas uh, where methane's flaring and use that that was going to pollute the environment and, and mine in Texas. And this is going to get more and more because the incentive is to get more and more. And so you basically have like a, a decentralized system from the bottom up where everybody is incentivized instead of consuming to save, instead of 
causing more production of cheap plastic crap to save and wait for something good. And, uh, and then also the miners to find renewable energy. So to me, this is a bigger paradigm. It's not just, you know, using the fiat system to get some government grants and trusting in one top down guy to fix the problem for us. Even if the Tesla batteries cause a lot of pollution or whatever, this is incentivizing the, the entirety of humanity to transition to a more honest and more uh, robust system that incentivizes not only uh, energy conservation, renewables, but also discovery of new forms of energy and and finding out how to mine more and more energy cheaper and cheaper. So to me, it's just a a bigger and deeper and better paradigm than the Tesla one, even though I think they're both kind of going after the same thing. Yeah, I've read up on it. I wish I were were smarter on the topic and could discuss it better, but it's obviously... Uh, very uh, complicated and um, you did a good job of it there, but um, yes. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah. It's all very, very interesting stuff moving forward, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but it's definitely FUD uh, right now. That's that, that appears to be the main uh, source right now of, of, of any pushback of Bitcoin is to definitely point to the environmental aspect. It feels like that's been kind of concentrated effort put into overdrive recently. Yeah, there's another thing, too, is that, you know, Bitcoin is electric money, right? The dollar is the petrodollar. It's the fossil fuel money. Mm-hmm. And Bitcoin's the the electric money. And so, like, Tesla's the electric car. I mean, there's other electric cars. There's other electric monies that are watered-down versions of Bitcoin. Tesla's one of many electric cars. And electricity can can be sourced from any energy. It can be sourced from renewables. It can be sourced from coal. But Bitcoin's not saying we need coal. Bitcoin's just saying we run on electricity, just like Tesla's running on electricity. So, why is Tesla a good use? We'll say, well, it's replacing the combustion engine, right? So that runs only on fossil fuels. But why do we need cars at all? Well, we want cars because they're good. It's good to transport yourself and your family to places. So it's like, to me, they're like, oh, Bitcoin's not needed. It's pointless. But to me, Bitcoin's way more important. Like a good monetary system, a sound money is way more important than having cars. You know, we can just take buses and ride bikes it's it, to me, it's like very disingenuous to say, well, this car electricity is good, but this money electricity is bad. It's the same thing. It's electricity. It doesn't use coal. You can't mine Bitcoin with coal. You can use, you can mine, you got to mine Bitcoin with electricity. You can use coal to create the electricity, but you can also use coal to create the electricity that powers Tesla's, right? But they're both things that actually only run on electricity. So to me, it's kind of like, kind of disingenuous to, to be like, well, what's the source of the fuel going into this thing? Well, it could be anything for both. Electricity can be generated by renewables or, or fossil fuels either way. Yeah. I'm trying to find the solution to an obvious, you know, sound money issue that we're headed toward or right there, you know, could be argued that the most important thing in the world to try to discover right now. So, I mean, ideally, That's what Michael Saylor said, he said this other stuff's downstream from fixing the money first. It's the most fundamental issue. And again, if you really think about how the money's secured, the, the, the fiat currencies are secured, it's secured by violence. So this is a huge, huge paradigm shift if they if they do it so bitcoin is well, ba- banks sitting there all day too aren't they like using it i mean i mean just physically having to hold all that stuff too i don't know i, I don't know it's, i get gold mining concern. banks yeah right all that stuff and you know th- think about it this way like bitcoin's basically a system of incentives where people cooperate organically because it's in their self-interest there's no force there's no violence there's no subsidies. There's no politics. There's no virtue signaling. It's simply sound money, organic, like evolution. Like each creature does the best he can for himself. And you have these beautiful species of birds and fish and mammals and reptiles that populate the earth, right? They're not, 
It's not one person saying, I'm going to go design creation this way, according to my vision, because it's not working well. It's to this or it's to that, or it's, you know, it has an effect that we don't like. So I just think when you really think about what the solution to the problem is, the organic bottom up one where everybody's sort of doing what they was best for them, but it's coalesces into this massive sort of incentives to cooperate and, and be greener. To me, that's, that's much more appealing and a deeper, a deeper, more, I guess it more reflective of, of life solution than this top down. Let's go get our champion here to go uh, do, do all this stuff and save us. Right. So then are you kind of worried about this conference that they're, they're whatever that they held, you know, and they're, uh, you know, whatever they're, whatever is going to happen next that uh sailors trying to appease no, People. because uh, Marathon, who he had singled out, the mining company who was part of the conference, was like going. They were like marking blocks as like renewable blocks versus non-renewable. They were trying to like actually distinguish different kinds of mines, Bitcoin, and they bent the knee really quickly when all the plebs revolted against them, and they said, "No, no, no, we're not doing that anymore." So I'm not. Okay, they did. That. Okay, yeah, they bent okay. the knee. They don't. They realized no one's going for that. Virtue signaling politics is not part of this. Elon Musk has to deal with it because he's he's running a $600 billion company and, and he gets government subsidies. He can't just ignore it, but I think Bitcoin can mostly ignore it. And then you but, also were at that Taleb uh, Craig Wright conference, weren't you? you of that? course. Of course I was. Yeah. yeah okay. I spoke at it. You know, now's a good time for a commercial break. So we should hear from our advertisers. I know I'm supposed to do it 20 minutes in, but I think it's okay. Let's take a quick break. Okay. That will, uh, those are our advertisers. They're coming in that break. The other FUD though, that's coming, I, I think Marty Bent said this. So, and a lot of people asked me about this, tweeted me about this. So remember Whitney Webb, we talked about the, uh, the cyber attacks and the hack of the financial mm-hmm. system. That was just, yeah. Here they and come. Beef, beef. Marty Bent said, so this, you know, 20% of the beef is not available in the U S and then also gas got hacked and the gas prices went up and okay. So we have inflation here already, right? From all this printing, we got inflation is already here. And so there's two issues, right? One is that like there's ransomware for these hacks, these supposed hacks. And so it's bad because it's encrypted. They want Bitcoin for their ransomware. So it's like Bitcoin's bad. It enables these ransom attacks. Okay. So that's one FUD. But the second one is because of these ransom attacks, which are Bitcoin based, inflation is happening. So they say, well, the gas didn't really inflate. It inflated because the supply got hacked and there's not as much left. It didn't inflate because of our stupid policies of printing money, inflated because of these Bitcoin hacks. The meat prices went up, not because of our horrible fiscal policies, it's because they got hacked. And Marty Bent was saying, look, they're setting it up so that you're going to get like, oh, no. God damn it, these hacks are making things too unaffordable for me. We're going to turn all of our anger and scapegoat Bitcoin and these hacks instead of the Fed printing money. It's kind of genius in a way because they have no way out. They can't, they can't raise rates and stop printing. Because the, because the stock market, which everyone's pension is in, is just going to collapse. It's going to go to 80%. It's going to get wiped, okay? Because the economy is not that strong. It's just printed. And it's only there because they think they'll keep printing. They say they'll keep printing. They cannot raise interest rates. They cannot do it. But if they keep printing, which is the only way they can keep interest rates down, then inflation's going to hit. We've already got some. And inflationary, you know, in like the Weimar Republic, it was a disaster. It destroyed everybody. So... There's only disastrous options for them. I mean, it's a horrible place to be running a country, and you know the public's going to want to come out with the pitchforks and kill you no matter what you do. You can't get out of it. They've overspent. They've overborrowed. They've overprinted. There's nothing they can do. Everyone's accustomed to the standard of life that they're living now, with their market going up, getting their pension from you know uh, rising stock prices. 
So what are they going to do? They've got to get out, right? COVID sort of worked for a little bit, got them allowed to print more money than they would have been able to print before. But they've got to blame the inflation on somebody, on something. Anyway, that was Marty Benz's I, tweet. I, I'm, I'm, I'm expounding on it. That's not, he didn't say all that. He sort of implied that. And to me, that would be the next FUD coming. I know Whitney Webb has been warning that, but I never quite understood why, but you just framed it. It makes sense. I'll, I, mean, I guess people would probably fall for that. Um, but now having said that, these places really were hacked though, correct? I don't know. Who knows, right? Yeah, I mean, was I know. it, and, and right. who did it? I don't know. Yeah. It might've been. Okay. Right. But what happened to that yeah. solar winds thing? And then that guy blew himself up in Nashville, like next to the solar winds building and the subsidiaries. Who the hell knows what that stuff is? Who the yeah. hell knows what that Vegas shooter was? What, why the hell he did that? And why nobody ever asked any questions about that? Why don't we know? How was he in that hotel room for like an hour or whatever it was before anyone did anything? Why is there no footage like from the hotel? You know, it's totally surveilled. How was he able to get like 300 pounds of, of weapons into a room? Like nobody's even asked. Like, I know that's not related to this as far as I know. No one asks questions about anything. What the hell is any of this stuff? Anyway, but so you're, right is, about the, you're right about the, the incoming economy. And, and man, I've been reading about the shortages just throughout all industries, you know, from the lumber we've talked about. But I guess these chips in cars, right? um, not only were they just, A, the, the, you need to order them like a few months in advance and people just, oh, no one's going to have demand with the pandemic when actually the opposite turned true and people are high demand. But also some of that stuff's made in China that's been delayed too. So like there's all kinds of problems with cars if you're not named Toyota uh, being in development right now. So it's just from one industry to the next it's going to be a an issue moving forward but that i hope the scapegoat is not crypto i, mean, I don't care about crypto i only care about bitcoin i don't bitcoin, care about okay. the thing but also what about that ship that was stuck in the suez canal i mean like okay maybe it's just an accident i don't know it's all these these are all things that curb supply and raise prices all of these things maybe they're all just coincidentally accidents what, what whitney webb said was there's going to be a hack and they simulated it uh in 2020 the, the World Economic Forum sim- simulated the hack. And now all these hacks started happening. And this is, she said this, you know, months ago. And is there a bigger one? Are they priming us to get, you know, oh, hacks are now happening. These, these ransom hacks are now a thing. Let's get used to right. it. And when a bigger one happens, I hope, I hope not. I, I really hope it's just paranoia because scary shit. If, if, you know, the meat one or whatever, okay. But I think in Ireland there was a hack too with a hospital or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, no, it's okay. scary. I agree. Agreed. Scary. Not, not, not ideal. Don't uh, know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. So, okay. A couple other things. We were almost an hour in here. So there's a guy who gave us a one-star rating. I've mentioned this a couple of weeks ago because he didn't like the audio of the podcast. He said, I like the podcast, but this audio is terrible for the guys who do this for a living. One star. And again, I don't really know how important those ratings are. Our guy, Dan uh, Corrado gave us five stars after that. Praise the audio. That was nice of him. But this guy DM'd me today. I won't say his name because he didn't give me explicit permission. And he DM'd me and he said, uh, I was a little harsh. He's being a dick. He thought we didn't care, but now he still doesn't like the audio. But now that he uh, sees that we care about it, he's going to, he deleted the, the rating. So thank you. Nice. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm just hilarious. It's just funny. <laughs> he's just like, oh, I was just being a dick. You're right. That was a dick move. And then he just deleted it. So oh, good for him. Well, I like I like that he gave you know he still listened too. Through the, through you know, the he said it in, in in the in the one star. Yeah. He said, I like yeah. the podcast. I just right. don't like the sound. So and uh I'll say one other thing. We got a bunch of signups the last month from people. So if you uh need a fantasy site for baseball or for football, we got all the projections up. Rotowire.com slash pod. You can say you can mention the podcast if you want. It's helpful. I think it's nice. It's it's a way of Rotowire knowing that that this podcast is appreciated and uh, 
giving it more support. I mean, I'd fight for it if it weren't supported, but just makes it easier, makes the battle leader. So if you're, uh, some of these guys are super nice. It was like, I'm in a score sheet league with no money. I signed up because I want to support the pod. That was very nice, but uh, it's mostly aimed toward uh, the guys who need fantasy football, projections, cheat sheets, depth charts, news, runawire.com slash pod, totally free for 10 days. And then see if you want to pay for it, if it's worth it to you after you've checked it out. So um, you got anything else? I thought that was, I have one other thing that's more personal, but uh, you got anything else? Go ahead. What's your personal thing? I just have a, so, just TV recommendations I'll end with, but what's your personal thing? So it's just, I was just thinking about this and I'm going to say something nice about Heather for once on this podcast or the radio show. Nice. But, so on Sunday, she's like, yeah, our friends are going to come over and have lunch and we've got these oysters and all this stuff. I was like, okay, cool. And we were at this uh, incredible uh, national park hotel slash house that we stayed in nice. a bunch of times. And I put pictures of it on Twitter. I saw that. Yeah, it was it's nice. Yeah. Incredibly nice. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, cool. And then she's like, well, actually, we want to go to the beach in the national park, which is like 15 minutes away. So we'll go to the beach in the morning, and then we'll bring them back for lunch and, and get a late checkout because we know the owner and he's cool. I'm like, I don't know. You know, it's just like the beach, the parking there. You got to walk so far with all your stuff to the water. It's such a pain in the ass. <laughs> She's like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. So we get up. Of course, it's late. We're supposed to be there at 11. We get there at 12. Got to walk like miles with this stuff down the friggin' stairs with like, you know, bags of stuff. And it's like an incredible day at the beach. The water is like cold, but like perfect. Swim in the water, smoke a cigar, get some sun. Just a great day. And then we lug all the stuff. I'm thinking, oh, we're never going to get back in lunch in time for lunch. The dude's going to be pissed that we're late, whatever. Anyway, we get back. It's a little bit late. I shucked the oyster. We have an incredible lunch that she makes. Everybody has like such a good day. This French woman and her cousin and her aunt or whatever were there. She was like, this is such a great meal. So nice. Everybody had just a great day. And they took off at like 7. We took off at like 7.30. No problem. We, we didn't have time to clean up all the stuff. We, we left a little extra tip for the housekeeper who we know is really nice. She was super happy. Everything got pulled off without a hitch. And I was thinking, if it were me, I would have just been like, I just come over to the house just, I can't, you know, I, we can't do with the beach and that this whole thing parking and dealing with like the stick shift on the uphill. Like it's total hell, like it's total. And it just made me realize like, she's a doer. I'm a thinker, right? Like I dread shit like that. I would never do that plan ever. There's just so much hassle involved. You know, I might do one thing. I might go to the beach, but I'd go to an easier beach, you know, where you could drive right to the thing. And that would be it. And it's not as nice of a beach, but I just, let's just go there. It's easier, you know? And I live in Portugal because of this which is amazing. Like Portugal's amazing, but like I would never go here. Do you know how much bullshit you have to deal with with like citizenship and residency and fucking papers and taxes in two jurisdictions and finding accountants and like <laughs> getting your medical cards and the new health system and the, and Portugal's bureaucratic. Like I would never deal with this ever. Right. But here I am because she deals with it. She deals with 90% of it. I deal with some of the shit, but she deals with 90% of it. So she's a doer. I'm not a doer. Most people are not doers. Most people think they talk, they're on Twitter all the time. She does shit. She actually does shit. So good for her. And I'm benefiting from it. Definitely good for, yeah. Love Heather. And I'm definitely not a doer myself either. So, um, yeah, it's nice. Uh, good for you to benefit list. Lucky you. Um, and boy, she's a saint having to put up with you too. I got to say. No, no, no. She's no saint. Trust me. Uh-oh. You have no idea. You have no idea how impressed oh. I am. You don't even know. She's yeah, a doer okay. though. She's a doer. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's not, you know, trust me, man. Don't, don't be fooled by appearances. Relationships are not easy on either side. It's not easy.
So that's good. You know, stuff. All right. This is a couple. I watched um, the original Willy Wonka with my daughter the other night. Uh, I don't think she loved it. Uh, I had to fast slow some parts, some songs, but uh, some legit laugh out loud, dark humor with Gene Wilder there. And it's uh, a pretty impressive performance. Um, current TV shows. Mayor of Easttown just ended. That was a strong miniseries with Kate Winslet. And I'm currently watching a show called Hacks on HBO Max. And it's probably my favorite TV show of the year so far. So check that out. Hacks on HBO max and uh, good stuff list. It's nice seeing your face uh, doing video for the first time. And uh, yeah, man, good times. All right, man. We won't, uh, we won't let it air like the, the dark stuff won't air with your, with your image attached to it. Good. Thank you. You, pr- you promised. You promised. But you know, I trusted him. I said, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dalton's worried. All right, man. Take it easy. Dude. Later. Yeah. Later, man.